Book Eleven, Chapter Four of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book Eleven, Chapter Four Times of Ezra and Nehemiah close of the canon ezra seven to ten nehemiah one to eight b c four fifty seven to four fifteen in the year b c four sixty four artaxerxes longamanus succeeded to the persian throne his reign was favorable to the jews and was signalized b c four fifty eight by a fresh migration to jerusalem headed by Ezra, a descendant of Hilkiah, the high priest, in the time of Josiah. A royal ordinance empowered him not only to receive contributions from his own nation, scattered throughout Babylonia for the adornment of the temple at Jerusalem, but also to establish magistrates and judges throughout all Judea, and to claim assistance from the various pashas of the provinces through which he would pass. Ezra 7, 11-26. Thus aided and encouraged, Ezra persuaded about six thousand of his countrymen to take part in this second migration, amongst whom were many of the priesthood, both of the higher and lower orders. After a fast of three days at the river Ahava, to supplicate the divine blessing on the enterprise, the expedition set out, and though not escorted by a royal guard, reached Jerusalem in safety. Ezra 8.32 ezra was well received by the jewish governors but was pained to find much to blame in the conduct of his countrymen forgetful of the commands of the law they had in many instances intermarried with the surrounding heathen tribes he therefore devoted himself with all zeal to the correction of these abuses proclaimed a fast by way of atonement for past transgressions and succeeded in inducing many to put away their strange wives at the same time he commenced a more complete reorganization of the people according to the mosaic law and the institutes of david and it is not improbable a revision and rearrangement of the sacred books ezra ten one to seventeen but though the persian monarchs had not been unwilling to render aid in the rebuilding of the jewish temple their policy had hitherto forbidden the re-erection of the city itself which still lay exposed and defenceless, its walls broken down and its gates burned with fire. Nehemiah 1.3 The temple and a few private dwellings being the sole result of eighty years of effort. In the twentieth year, however, of Artaxerxes, or B.C. 444, there arrived at Sushan a deputation from Jerusalem, with a sad account of the condition of the city, which they laid before Nehemiah a jew probably of the tribe of judah who held a high position amongst the royal cupbearers nehemiah instantly conceived the patriotic design of quitting the comforts of his present position and aiding his countrymen in their difficulties with fasting and prayer he sought the blessing of the most high on his design and shortly afterwards in reply to the inquiries of the king why his countenance was so sad poured forth the deep desire of his heart and begged that he might be allowed to go to Judea and rebuild the city of his fathers. Artaxerxes consented, on condition that he return within a certain period of time, 
and having appointed him tirshatha or governor of judea gave him letters to the pashas of the provinces through which he would pass and also to asaph the keeper of the royal forests directing him to supply timber and other necessaries for the work nehemiah two one to eight thus empowered and guarded by a troop of cavalry nehemiah set out on his journey on his arrival at jerusalem he for three days kept silence as to his intentions but after a midnight survey of the ruined condition of the city openly proclaimed the purport of his visit and the royal commission under which he was acting he advised the instant rebuilding of the city walls till which was done the colony could not but be a reproach to the surrounding tribes with their city almost deserted and the temple itself falling into decay nehemiah two twelve to twenty his project was received with acclamation and a resolution was formed to press on with the work without delay but the coming of the new governor had reached the ears of the samaritans and sambalat the horonite tobiah the ammonite and geshem an arabian employed every artifice to defeat his designs nehemiah however was not to be daunted his object was to finish the walls in the shortest possible time and he therefore directed that while one half of the people wrought at the work the other should stand by armed and ready to defend them and that the workmen should hold in one hand a weapon and in the other their tools thus by dint of incredible exertions within the brief space of fifty-two days jerusalem was again girded and enclosed the walls were rebuilt the ancient towers set up and the gateways were ready for the doors to be swung upon them nehemiah four thirteen to twenty three unable to impede by open violence the progress of the enterprise sambalet and his friends resorted to various stratagems to get nehemiah out of the city they began by proposing a conference with the governor in one of the villages of the plain of ono in benjamin four times was the proposition made and as often declined then resort was had to still a more cunning artifice sambalet set to nehemiah an apparently friendly letter announcing the prevalence of a rumor among the heathen nations settled in samaria that he intended jerusalem to become the capital of an independent kingdom and had suborned prophets to prophesy of himself there is a king in judah such rumors were sure to reach the persian court but might be dissipated by a friendly conference at the same time noadiah a prophetess and others were bribed to represent to the governor the risk he was running and to persuade him to take refuge in the fortress of the temple but nehemiah saw through their designs and refused to give them any pretext for accusing him of conscious guilt nehemiah six one to fourteen in addition to these plots the governor had to be on his guard against treachery within the city itself where many of the jewish nobles were carrying on a secret correspondence with tobiah and even espoused his cause but in spite of all obstacles the work went on and the essential part of the governor's design the building of the gates was accomplished having thus provided for the external security of the city nehemiah applied himself with equal zeal to the correction of internal abuses one of these was the high rate of usury which those who had any money at their command exacted from their poorer brethren to such an extent was this the case that some mortgaged their fields vineyards and houses 
others sold or pledged the freedom of their children while many borrowed at the most exorbitant rates sufficient to pay the royal taxes nehemiah five one to fourteen the discovery of this nefarious system roused the governor's indignation himself noble generous and high-minded he declined even the usual supplies for his own table which former governors had received defrayed many expenses out of his own purse and even entertained the poorer classes of the countrymen at his own table nehemiah five fourteen to nineteen with righteous sternness therefore he rebuked the nobles who connived at this disgraceful traffic and convoking an assembly demanded that his enslaved countrymen should be set free their debts remitted and the enormous interests foregone his rebukes had their effect the assembly unanimously announced their willingness to accede to his demands and abstain from such conduct in the future other measures for the internal welfare of the city were then proceeded with the doors having been set up in the gates the custody of the city was committed to hanani a relative of the governor a register of the people was taken the law was solemnly read in their hearing by ezra nehemiah eight one to sixteen and the feast of tabernacles was celebrated with due solemnities from the fifteenth to the twenty-second of the month tisri two days afterwards a fast was proclaimed and the people made a formal confession of their national sins and enumerated the gracious dealings of the most high with them from the call of abraham to the return from the captivity nehemiah nine six to thirty seven at the same time they ratified a solemn covenant to serve the lord with all their heart and keep the ordinances of the lord to avoid intermarriages with heathens to observe the sabbaths and other holy days and neither buy nor sell goods thereon to keep the seventh or sabbatical year and remit all debts during it to contribute each man one-third of a shekel towards the support of the temple service and to maintain the customary first-fruits and tithes nehemiah twenty nine to thirty nine having in cooperation with ezra thus restored the national institutions nehemiah returned to the persian court b c four thirty two during his absence the old abuses again began to creep in the people contracted alliances with foreigners neglected the sabbath and forgot the covenant they had so lately sworn to observe as soon as he was informed of this nehemiah sought and obtained permission to revisit once more the scene of his former labors and his tershatha was invested with renewed powers returning after an absence of about nine years he found that elias hib the high priest had permitted tobiah the ammonite to occupy a large chamber in the temple which had before been used as a store for the frankincense the holy vessels and the tithes of corn wine and oil thereupon he insisted on the expulsion of the intruder and the restoration of the ejected vessels and stores over which he appointed a levitical guard nehemiah thirteen one to fifteen he next introduced measures for the prevention of traffic on the day of rest and the celebration of mixed marriages alike amongst the lower and the higher orders of the people even deposing from his sacred functions the high priest eliashib for permitting his son joiada to ally himself with a daughter of sambalat the horonite nehemiah thirteen fifteen to twenty eight having thus completed his second administration 
this truly patriotic and upright governor in all probability returned to persia about b c four thirteen and there died with this date closes the history contained in the scriptures of the old testament while the mass of the hebrew people was scattered among the nations carrying with them wherever they went their law and their institutions we have seen a remnant as had indeed been foretold restored to their own land their holy temple rebuilt their glorious city raised from its ruins very different indeed was their position now from that which the nation had occupied during the palmy days of solomon when their kingdom stretched from the river of egypt to the euphrates from the mountains of lebanon to the red sea different too and far less costly was their temple in comparison with that which the artisans of hiram had built for the son of david but in its moral and spiritual condition the remnant of the nation far excelled the contemporaries of its greatest king in the furnace of affliction it had been thoroughly purified from all tendencies to idolatry the dreary years when their harps hung upon the willows by the waters of babylon had not been without their salutary effect upon the people there was no division now in the objects of their worship no high places were to be seen crowned with temples dedicated to baal or shemash no groves screened with their leafy covert the impure orgies of ashtaroth no drums and cymbals drowned with their horrid clang the wail of infants in the valley of ben hinnon as they were passed through the fire to appease the cruel moloch these oracles were dumb the jew was no longer an idolater the divine unity was now the central truth of his creed the law once neglected was now read copied studied while nehemiah had earnestly applied himself to the civil administration ezra and others after him with no less zeal devoted their energies to collecting transcribing arranging the sacred books these were ultimately classed under three divisions one the law containing the five books of moses two the prophets which included the historical and prophetical writings three the psalms or hagiographa sacred writings comprising the poetical books meanwhile varied as had been the fortunes of the chosen people the assurance of a saviour of god's purpose of love in the promised seed had never been forgotten as first made known to man in paradise it did perhaps as we have seen little more than assure him of a future interposition in his behalf without informing him whether his redeemer should be one or many the collective race or a single deliverer but once again the realization of the promise becomes the goal of sacred history through one of the sons of noah it is limited to a particular race through the call of abraham to a particular nation through judah to a particular tribe when the people flee away from the terrors of sinai moses predicts the coming of a greater prophet and a mightier mediator when the sceptre rises from judah and david sits upon his throne he himself speaks of a greater king of one he calls his lord who shall sit upon his throne and of whose kingdom there shall be no end when the mournful close of solomon's reign proves that he could not be the destined king when his kingdom was rent in twain and his subjects become a prey to their enemies and are carried off into far distant lands even then the very sadness of the captivity only serves to correct the idea of the messiah and the son of david gives place to the writings of daniel to the son of man 
thus each crisis of the nation's history serves to bring the promise within narrower limits and to illustrate it with fresh details meanwhile as time rolls on and one prophet after another brings out some new particular foreshadowing the birthplace or the offices or the works of the messiah another voice begins to be heard in the temple of prophecy it is not jubilant and glad telling of triumph and of glory of the subjugation of nations or the setting up of a kingdom it is subdued and mournful it whispers of suffering and rejection of a triumph indeed but not the triumph of an earthly conqueror it speaks of the coming of a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief of his being wounded for our transgressions and bruised for iniquities of his being cut off but not for himself the earliest prophecy had declared that the seed of the woman should bruise the serpent's head but had whispered that the serpent would bruise his heel the latest declared that the messiah should triumph but also that he should die thus gradually but harmoniously was the person and work of man's redeemer unfolded and at length in the fullness of time a babe was born in bethlehem and laid in a manger seed of the woman of the race of shem of the descendants of abraham of the tribe of judah of the lineage of david he lived he died he rose again prophet like unto but infinitely greater than moses he gave us a law which shall never pass away priest like unto but not as aaron compassed about with infirmity he offered up on the altar of his cross a full perfect and sufficient sacrifice atonement and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world king like unto but infinitely higher than david he sitteth at the right hand of god clad in the glorified nature of the race he came to save the predicted redeemer of the old the revealed deliverer of the new testament in whom there is neither jew nor gentile neither male nor female neither bond nor free end of book eleven chapter four end of a class book of old testament history by george frederick mcclear